Welcome to the Travel Therapy Mentor Podcast, your number one source for travel therapy information and education. Hosted by travel physical therapist duo, Whitney and Jared. We've been travelers since 2015 and have hacked our travel therapy careers to achieve financial independence and semi-retire in our 30s. We now travel all over the world with our financial and time freedom. If you're ready to use travel therapy to achieve your own financial freedom, join us each month on Facebook Live to learn about a new travel therapy topic or listen to the replay right here on our podcast. If you're new to travel therapy and are ready to get started, contact us to get connected with travel therapy recruiters and companies we recommend by visiting TravelTherapyMentor.com slash recruiters. Again, that's TravelTherapyMentor.com slash recruiters. If you're ready to remove the guesswork and jumpstart your travel therapy career, let us teach you step-by-step everything you need to know to get started and be financially successful as a travel therapist by enrolling in our comprehensive travel therapy course titled Becoming a Financially Successful Travel Therapist. You can visit TravelTherapyMentor.com slash course and use the discount code TRAVEL to save $150 on our course. Again, that's TravelTherapyMentor.com slash course, and the discount code is TRAVEL. And if you're looking for the best way to get your CUs online, as a traveler who's always on the go, you can use our discount code to get the best rate on an annual MedBridge subscription, which is where we get all of our online CEUs. Use code TTM for the discount at MedBridge.com. Again, that's code TTM at MedBridge.com. And last, if you're interested in getting started with credit card hacking to take advantage of free or low-cost travel like we do, check out our top credit card recommendations for travelers at TravelTherapyMentor.com credit. Again, that's TravelTherapyMentor.com credit. All right, and now on to this week's episode. Hey, everyone. Hey, guys. Welcome to another Travel Therapy Mentor video. Tonight we're going to be talking about travel therapy housing, but uh, more specifically traveling in an RV. We've made videos on this in the past, but we get a lot of questions these days. It seems like traveling in an RV or a van or something like that has gotten more popular. So we get questions about which to choose pretty often. So today we want to go through the different types of uh, campers, um, RVs, and talk about the pros and cons and what you might want to choose based on your situation. Um, because this is something we thought a lot about when we started traveling in the fifth wheel seven years ago, um, which type of camper we wanted to actually travel in. Ultimately, we decided on the fifth wheel, but there's obviously pros and cons to each, and it really depends on your, your individual situation. So Whitney's going to introduce us, and I'm going to get this video shared in a couple groups. All right. Hey, everyone. For those that may not know us, we are Whitney and Jared Kazaza. We are the faces behind Travel Therapy Mentor, and formerly our um, older blog was called Fifth Wheel Physical Therapist, which we named after traveling in a fifth wheel camper. Um, so for those of you guys that may not know that, we traveled in the fifth wheel for the first few years of our travel PT careers. So as Jared mentioned, we've talked about this topic a few different times before, but we've never really done one in depth on the different types of RVs. There are, and we do get a lot of questions about that, about purchasing the right type, choosing the right type. So recently we had one of our friends, Kayla, who is a travel PT and travels in an RV with her husband. We had her write a guest post for us and she broke down all the different types of RVs, um, some decision-making that goes into choosing the right one, um, a lot of the decision-making that both her and her husband had with picking the RV for their situation. So we'll go over some of the insights that she had as well as our own insights. Yeah, so first, I guess, let's real quick over. Um, well, before we dive into the topic, um, for those of you that are watching live, sorry, we're hopping on here a little bit late. Um, you might notice that we are vertical right now. Usually for the last, however many years we've been doing videos, five years. We've always done our videos horizontally, and for some reason tonight, Facebook Live just didn't want to work horizontally. We tried and tried and tried, and so here we are tuning in with you guys vertically. It's um, not that bad. It's just we have to be way too close together, yeah. which is a little weird. Um, so anyway, thank you for those of you that are tuning in live. If you're watching live, we'd love if you'd say hello in the comments. Um, if you're watching later on the replay, you can say hi in the comments and let us know you watched, whether it was on YouTube or Facebook, um, and then shout out to you guys that are listening on our podcast as well. Yeah, so first, just a little bit about why you would choose RV in the first place, or you know, short-term housing versus an RV. Um, you know, Housing is a big decision as a traveler because it's usually going to be your most expensive cost, like in terms of everything you spend money on, um, tax home, your meals. Uh, gas, all that, usually the place that you rent or the place that you get on your travel assignment is going to cost you more than anything else. And most people just 
they never even consider an RV. It's like, well, I'm just going to do short-term housing. I'll find an Airbnb or something, and that'll be fine. They don't really care much about, um, like, of course, no one wants to pay 3000 a month, but, you know, the difference between, like, maybe 1000 1500 it's not a huge deal for a lot of people if you're making pretty good money. Um, so the people that do choose RVs, I think a lot of times it's people that either are more outdoorsy, it's people that have kids, and they don't want to be taking their kids from, like, one house to another house to another house, or it's someone uh, that has like pets and especially if it's multiple dogs because it can be hard finding short-term housing with dogs. So a lot of the people that contact us are in one of those situations. Either they, they really love to camp, they like campgrounds, they have kids and they don't wanna, they want their kids to have some consistency or they have pets and they don't have to worry about pet deposits and finding places that are pet friendly. Yeah. Um, so those are big factors why if you're, you're choosing to travel and you're thinking like, oh, am I gonna do short-term housing or am I gonna choose an RV? If you're in one of those situations, then then an RV might be a really good fit for you. We actually do get a lot of people who reach out to us trying to decide if an RV would be a good choice simply for the fact that they want to save money. Yeah. So because housing prices are going up and people are like, oh, rents are so crazy, people look at it strictly as a financial choice and they're like, oh, this seems like a great idea. Maybe I could just get an RV and then I'll save a ton of money on housing. Unfortunately, we don't want to burst your bubble, but that's not necessarily the case. Um, in a lot of situations, you're really not going to come out that far ahead, if at all, with an RV because you have to consider the upfront costs, the maintenance costs, and the depreciation costs. Yeah. Um, we've made videos on that in the past. If, if that's something you're very interested in, I think we made one specifically about um, you know, whether or not you'll save money in an RV because that's initially the reason we chose to do it. We were in none of those, those categories I talked about with like, outdoorsy, kids, dogs, none of those. We just thought we'd save money. And uh, to our dismay, we did not save a lot of money. Um, it was basically break even over three years. So the only people that probably will save money in an RV are people that are gonna be traveling for a very long time. So probably four or five, six years. If you're gonna travel that long, then yes, all those upfront costs, you can kind of uh, uh, depreciate those over time, I guess, or like work those out over time um, versus basically the upfront cost versus how much you save per month, that upfront cost is very big compared to the monthly savings. So you need to amortize that over a longer period of time for it to make more sense. Yeah, and I think the big thing that a lot of people have a misconception about is that you won't have to pay housing costs other than the cost of the RV. But unfortunately, as travelers, in order to meet the IRS rules, if you're gonna take the tax-free stipends, you still need to be duplicating housing expenses. And that doesn't count if you just like have a payment on the camper itself. You have to yeah. actually pay for a place to park it, which would be like paying in an RV park or a campground or paying to stay on someone's property. And honestly, realistically, you you almost have to do that anyway. Like even if there was a way to get around um, paying duplicate expenses in terms of a campground, you still would wanna be at a campground because they've got the amenities, they've got showers, they've got hookups. It's like, uh, you know, where would you even park an RV like while you're at work or something. It's not real easy to just boondock everywhere. You can do it for a couple of days, but for three months, it's it's almost impossible. Yeah, so if you're somebody who's trying to decide whether RVing um, or short-term housing would be right for you, we definitely have some articles and some videos talking about that choice specifically, but overall, as a summary, you need to consider the lifestyle choice of RVing and all that it's going to entail, and if that's something you wanna tackle, and also the initial upfront costs and investment of it. And we think if you're going to travel for three plus years, it may make sense for you. But in a lot of cases, if you're traveling for less than three years financially, it may not make sense. But lifestyle wise, it could still make sense. Yep. Um, but say that you have decided that you've looked into all those factors. You really think that RVing is going to be the right choice for you, for your family um, or whatever your situation might be. Well, your next thing might be, well, how do I go about finding an RV and like what types should I be looking at? Yeah. And there's actually a lot of different types of campers. and. It's kind of funny to think about now because we spend so much time learning about campers that it seems pretty obvious, but I know that it's not obvious because when we first started looking, I didn't know what a fifth wheel was. And I remember someone said that to me and it sat like fifth wheel doesn't sound like it would be a camper. Like that sounds like if you don't know anything about it, it sounds something like something different. So I, I had no idea what that even was. So I know that there are people out there that have no idea about the different types of campers. And when they're trying to decide, they're just completely lost. Yeah, so we're going to go over some of the different types and some of the decision making that might go into you, you know, deciding one type or another and just some considerations that you might have. Yeah. 
So we'll start with just the different um, classifications. That way you can kind of understand the lingo and the choices. Yeah, and basically the two big classifications is either a motorhome or a, uh, a pull-behind. A travel trailer. A travel trailer. Yeah, well, people call them different things. Um, pull-behind would be separately classified into either a fifth wheel or a travel trailer. Um, but, yeah, mobile home is one that you know actually has an engine that you're driving. A uh, pull-behind is going to be something where you have a, a truck or a van or a... SUV that you pull the camper with. Yeah, I guess another terminology for that would be towables. So yeah, towable. either you're towing a certain type of camper or you're driving a certain type of camper. So your motorhomes are the ones that you drive. And this is when you think of somebody like a tour bus or like one of those big bus looking type things. That's kind of in the category of your motorhomes versus the type we had, the fifth wheel, that's a towable. You pull it behind a truck. Yep. And the motorhomes are separated in class A, B, and C. And um, so the class A is like, like Whitney said, that's like the, the stereotypical um, camper or motorhome that you think of, like a big bus looking thing. There's rich old people driving it and uh, they're just like going around the country. And that's what I think of when I think of like a, a motorhome. Whereas a class B is basically just an oversized van. It's just a, a big van that has usually a bathroom, um, sometimes a little tiny kitchen, but um, it's like a cargo van that is now a, uh, a camper, or even bigger than a cargo, cargo van, a little bigger than that. And then a Class C is kind of a mix between the two. It's, a, it's not as like fancy and nice as a Class A, one of those like real sleek bus looking things, um, and, uh, but it's bigger than a van. It's, it's kind of in between, and usually we'll have like two beds. Um, one of the beds is often over top of the cab, and um, yeah, it's, a, it's kind of a good mix. Like you see a lot of families and things in those types. Not. Whereas uh, the Class A is more like usually retired, older people, at least um, that we usually see. Yeah, your Class B is going to look a lot more like a van on the front, just a regular front of the vehicle, where your Class C is typically going to have that part that hangs over um, the windshield a little bit, and that's usually a bunk up inside of there, so there's usually a bit more living space in your Class C than your Class B. It's kind of weird that they labeled them that way. To be honest, it should have been flipped in my opinion. It should have just gone from like big to small. But it's like big, small, medium. Um, it's kind of how the A, B, C works. Whitney wasn't reason. consulted when they came up with the classifications. You should have asked me. Yeah. You know. So, yeah. So those are your three different types of motorhomes. Um, so if you go and you start looking at dealerships or looking online, you might look in those categories if that's the type of vehicle that you're leaning toward as a motorhome. Yep. And then the pull-behinds are either a travel trailer or a fifth wheel. There's ver the various sizes, and, and same with the Class A, Class C. There's various sizes there. They can be small. They can be huge. Um, and the same with a travel trailer or a fifth wheel. They can be uh, 10 feet or they can be 36 feet. They can be massive. Um, and the difference there is usually fifth wheels are heavier. They sit on top of the truck kind of. Um, so you need a, a different hitch than you would like with a bumper pull travel trailer. They just kind of attach to the bumper and you pull it that way. The fifth wheel is big. It sits over top and usually that's where your, your bedroom is over top. Um, that part that hangs over the truck. And uh, there's some other smaller differences, but the big main thing is that you usually have more space in a fifth wheel and that's where a lot of people choose it. But they are heavier, so you need a bigger tow vehicle. That's uh, kind of a, a pro and con there. Yeah, so the fifth wheel, which is what we had, and also what our friends um, Kayla and Ryan, who wrote the article, have, you have to have a special hitch that goes inside of the truck bed. So you have to have it installed in the truck. It looks like a big horseshoe. It's um, kind of a horseshoe shape. Um, and it's, it's really big. It takes up a good amount of the truck bed. You can't yeah. really put a whole lot else in the truck bed when you're going to be pulling a fifth wheel. And you drive the fifth wheel, or you basically you back the camper up underneath the fifth wheel hitch, and it locks in into the truck bed. Um, so now it kind of swivels like this when you drive in the truck bed. Whereas the other kind, if it's a really small travel trailer, um, like Jared's at a bumper pull, you can just attach it right to the regular trailer hitch on like an SUV or a regular truck on the regular trailer hitch that it already has. Yep. Um, yeah, so, those, so are the cat those are the categories there. Yeah, and let's talk about some pros and cons between like either a motorhome or a, a pull behind. Oh, real quick before we get into that. So then two other things that we we didn't mention. Those are the main categories. Um, but then you also have vans, like just regular vans, which a lot of times are like the van conversions where it started as a regular vehicle and you decide to convert it into a home. Um, those are going to be very similar to your Class B motorhomes. It's like a smaller Class B. Smaller. 
Um, and then you also have truck bed campers, which these are not as common, but we actually did a couple months ago have another one of our travel therapy friends write a guest post about living in a truck camper. So there are some travel therapists living in truck campers, but those are gonna be the smallest living space of all of them. Um, probably a little bit more similar to like a, a small van, yeah. a truck camper. And the truck campers are the ones that you don't, you're not pulling it behind on the ground at all. It just sits inside of the truck bed and goes up over the truck. So it just kind of takes your truck um, where your truck kind of looks like this. The truck bed camper just goes like this and it's all one thing. Nothing touches the ground. But it can be detached once you like get to a campground, you can take it off and drive the truck separately. Um, but yeah, that's definitely gonna be the smallest, either a regular van or a truck bed camper are the smallest options. The biggest options are gonna be either a fifth wheel or like a really big class A motorhome. Yeah, and then I'll just, just to further break it down a little bit more, when you get into the weeds of reading about the different types, you're gonna see all different types of layouts and some of them may have different terminology associated with them. For the most part, your motorhomes are only gonna have the A, B, and C terminology. Now they might also have slide outs, which could just be a feature so it could be all contained, um, or it could have a, a part of the room that slides in and out once you're parked. That's going to give you some extra square footage. So that could be some terminology you're looking for. Now, when it comes to travel trailers and fifth wheels, some other terminology you might see would be a bunkhouse. And a bunkhouse is just a different type of layout where instead of having one bedroom, it has a second bedroom that has bunk beds in it, which can be good for either children, guests, or some people turn it into extra storage or an office. If you have a partner who works from home, works from home, you can make it into an office. Um, that's what Kayla and Ryan did. They used a bunkhouse room to make an office. Um, you could also see the words toy hauler. A toy hauler can either be a type of fifth wheel or also a type of travel trailer where it basically has a garage. So the back end opens up and you can put, the reason they call it a toy hauler is some people that travel for leisure or whatever it might be. They might put a, a, um, an ATV, a four-wheeler, a motorcycle, um, bikes back there, things like that. But you could also use it for additional space, a guest bedroom, um, a, an office, just extra storage if you have a lot of like outdoor gear. So a toy hauler is not its own class of RV. It's just sort of like um, a, a, a style. Yeah, yeah, it's like a, a style of um, fifth wheel or a style of... Uh, travel trailer and then yeah that's pretty much it bunkhouse toy hauler and the slide outs are the types of categories you might look for yeah and those can make huge differences like a, a 30 foot travel trailer that has three slide outs is going to be so much bigger than a 30 foot travel trailer that doesn't have any slide outs like little things make big differences in campers especially when your space is already pretty limited so you need to be pretty familiar with the different terminology and, and what you're looking for when you're when you're going to start shopping around. Yeah, so these are just some categories of things for you to be aware of. And obviously there's a lot of choices, right? So now you have to narrow it down. And it's like, how do you narrow it down? What types of things are gonna be most important for you and which one is the best? Yeah, all right, so you wanna talk about pros and cons between them? Yeah. Okay, so um, pros and cons between a motorhome and like a pull behind camper, because that's kind of the first decision you're gonna have to make is like, do you want to have a motorhome or do you want to have a trailer that you pull with another vehicle? Um, pros and cons, the motorhome's almost always going to cost more for the same amount of space as a travel trailer or a fifth wheel. And the reason that is, is because you, it actually has an engine. It has all the components of a vehicle that you actually drive. So um, because of that, it's, it's obviously got to be as expensive as the travel trailer or the fifth wheel plus the engine and all the parts to actually make it a, a vehicle that drives itself. Um, whereas uh, fifth wheels, travel trailers, sometimes you can get them pretty low cost, especially used ones. Um, a, a class A, those really nice bus looking um, motorhomes, they can be $400,000, $500,000. They get really, really expensive. You can get cheaper ones, but it's you're not gonna get a new class A for probably less than $80,000. Like they're very expensive. So cost is a major factor. If you're trying to be lower cost, then you're probably going to go more towards a fifth wheel or travel trailer and probably more towards a used fifth wheel or travel trailer. Um, and if, you, if cost isn't as much of an issue, then okay, maybe the motorhome might make more sense. Um, another thing to think about is one of the reasons we instantly chose a pull behind um, instead of a motorhome is we wanted to be able to disconnect it and drive the truck separate so that I could use that to drive to work and Whitney could take her car to work. We never 
we rarely worked at the same facility, so we needed two vehicles. We didn't want to have a, uh, a motorhome that we had to pull a car behind and then wouldn't you drive separately. We would rather have just pull the camper, set it up, and then never worry about connecting it or doing anything with it. We just drive the truck from then on. Yeah, one of the big reasons that we came to that decision was, you know, trying to navigate the vehicle situation. But the thing that really had us hung up is if you have a motorhome and something goes wrong with the engine portion of the motorhome and you need to have something done to the engine, transmission, so forth and so on, it's not just like taking your vehicle into the shop and then, you know, carpooling or renting a car or getting a ride. You have to take your whole house in to yeah. get repairs. And to us, that seemed really daunting because we're like, you know, it's one thing if something breaks inside the trailer portion of it, you know, your sink or your fridge or something like that. Maybe you, maybe you take it in or maybe you have somebody come fix it or maybe you get by for a little while until it needs to be fixed or whatever. But we were like, if the engine or something needs to be fixed and you have to take the whole house in, that just seemed crazy to us. Yeah, it did seem crazy. And also it would be extremely costly if something like that happened. So yeah, then you're not only having to get uh, another vehicle if that if you didn't have two vehicles, you might have already been pulling one behind. But if you didn't and that breaks down, now you need another vehicle. You also need like a, a hotel room or something until it gets fixed. So the idea of dealing with that was uh, not something we wanted to do. And I think that most travelers probably feel that way. Once you kind of weigh the pros and cons, it's probably like a uh, motorhome probably doesn't really make sense. This is more like an apartment I want to have set up and not like something I want to be moving around, um, especially if you're traveling as a couple. Yeah, I mean, looking back now, it's like maybe if it had been, you know, the class B or C and, and the engine and, and drivetrain and everything was a little bit more just like a van or a truck, like maybe it wouldn't have been that crazy to go and have it fixed. But I don't know, we were imagining that like it would just be so costly and so expensive and so complicated to fix something like that. And we were like, in our mind, it makes more sense to just have this trailer that hopefully won't have that many problems. And then a truck, like we understand trucks, we understand cars, we can take a car in to get fixed, like no big deal. So logistically to us, it seemed easier to have a trailer and a truck, but there's gonna be pros and cons with each. Now, a big pro of a, um, a motorhome, in my opinion, is that they're easier to drive and they're easy, much easier to back in than a, uh, a, a travel trailer or a fifth wheel would be. Because basically it's just like driving a big vehicle. Like you don't have to worry about like how you're maneuvering when backing and stuff versus like backing in a fifth wheel is not that easy. Like you need some practice at it. Um, I think most people within a couple of days would be pretty comfortable backing in a, uh, a motorhome. Um, it might take you a while to be comfortable backing up a, a fifth wheel or a travel trailer. And for me, I mean, we had ours for a long time. I still didn't feel great whenever I had to back it in anywhere. So um, you really need more practice with a travel trailer or a fifth wheel than you would with a, a motorhome. Yeah, especially I think a B or a C would be a lot easier to navigate, park, drive. An A might be you know a little bit of a learning curve to drive because they're really big, it's more like a bus. But again, I think for a lot of travel therapists, I think you're probably not gonna go with an A unless you were just able to get a really good deal on it because they're just so expensive. Yep. Um, or unless it was just something you wanted to invest in because you planned to keep it for a very long time to use as a recreational vehicle um, when you stop traveling. Yeah. So, yeah, so definitely want to consider the ease of driving, parking, backing, maneuvering the type of vehicle and the learning curve that's going to be involved there for you personally. Yeah, another thing to think about, uh, kind of a, a pro in favor of motorhomes too, is that with a travel trailer or a fifth wheel, you have to think a lot about the tow vehicle and what the tow capacity of it is versus the motorhome. You don't have to worry about that. If you do tow a car behind it, then, you know, that can be any car. You can tow any car behind that. But um, for pulling a fifth wheel or a travel trailer, you need to either have a, uh, an SUV that is very, either a small, small camper and an SUV that can pull it, or you need a big truck to pull a fifth wheel or a, a big travel trailer um, because they're much heavier. So finding, you know, if you're thinking about getting a travel trailer or a fifth wheel, now you have to find a, a camper that looks good, but you also have to find a truck or a big SUV or a big van or something to pull it with so you're kind of having to buy two things versus if it was a motorhome, you're just buying one thing. Yeah. Um, so that, that makes things a little more complicated. But you'll definitely also want to just consider what do you already have? Maybe if you already have a decent sized SUV or truck, then it's more natural for you to be like, well, I already have this. Let me then see what it's rated for tow wise and then pick a travel trailer or a fifth wheel that suits your needs that you already have the tow capacity for 
or vice versa. Say you already have like a small compact car and you're fine with towing it and maybe you decide to go with a class B or C motorhome because you're like, I've already got my nice little car, I'll just tow that, that seems easier to me. So a lot of your own personal experience, what you already have, what you're already used to is gonna play into this. And I'll definitely say that's the case too of whether you have any experience RVing at all. Like maybe you grew up RVing or, or you already have an RV or you know someone that has an RV. Maybe that'll change your whole perspective on all these decisions. Personally, we had no background, no experience. We literally went into it thinking like, this will make our life easier. This will make our life less expensive. But we started from zero, knowing nothing about RVs or trucks or anything like that. Yeah. So it just kind of depends on your own personal experience and knowledge there as well. Yeah. So the next thing you're going to consider is kind of the size in terms of the living space that you're going to feel comfortable with, um, as well as the size in terms of how much that's going to cost, how much fuel efficiency that's going to be. So I think for a lot of us, especially like when we went into it, we thought, gosh, it's going to be hard to live in this small space. We'd never done tiny living before. So we were looking at huge ones like, oh, we're going to need this huge fifth wheel. There's no way I can live in that tiny, you know, little travel trailer or that tiny little class B. So we were thinking like, it's going to have to be big, but the bigger you go, the more it's going to cost, the harder to tow. It's going to be the harder to park. It's going to be the more fuel you're going to use, the bigger the truck you're going to need yep. if it's a fifth wheel or a travel trailer, because you're going to have to have a bigger tow capacity. So Going big isn't always the greatest choice. Even though you feel like you need a lot of space, you may not need as much space as you think. You can also have issues uh, if you get too big of a, a camper, finding a campground to park it. Like some campgrounds have limits on how big uh, their sites can hold, like what size camper will actually fit there. So yeah, it is nice to have more space. Um, we chose one, we, had, we got a 33 foot fifth wheel and it had two slide outs. And when we got that, I remember thinking like, um, this still might be too small. Uh, we were actually looking at bigger ones or three slide outs or things like that, but um, they're all very expensive. So we, we chose that. And then in hindsight, like after we'd been in it for a while, I was like, this is actually kind of more space than we need, which is kind of weird to think about because it's only like 200 square feet, but you get very efficient. I mean, campers are made to be very efficient anyway with their like kitchen space and how everything's set up. The bathroom's tiny, but everything's fine. You know, like they have it all it's taken years and years of refinement to get to this point where they, they can fit a lot of things into a small space. And uh, we actually could have probably gotten by with a camper that was five or six feet smaller than ours and we would have still been in great shape. So um, in some ways you want to go err on the side of being bigger, especially if you have a family or you have pets or something. But for the two of us, we could have definitely gone smaller than we did and we did not realize that when we bought it. Yeah, of course it depends on you as a person. Um, you know, but I can tell you that I brought every single stitch of clothing that I owned. And at the time we were really not minimalistic. I mean, I was like literally bringing everything I owned, putting it in the camper. And after having lived in it a couple of years, I definitely feel like we could have even gone smaller. Yep. Um, we could have gone with a smaller travel trailer. We could have, I could, I could say we could probably live in a class C sure. or a bigger class B, um, pretty comfortably. Um, we have friends that, that do van life and that does seem like a, a van that you build, like a, a custom van when it's those small vehicles, those do seem tight. And our friends that live in truck campers, those do seem a little bit tight for my comfort. But we also met a friend with a truck camper that had a slide out. And I was like, wow, if you just add that extra, like 40 square foot of space with the slide out, I'm like, yeah, actually we probably could live in that. So it's definitely, you can live with less than you think. Yeah. Especially if you're a single individual, there are some people we talk to that are just single individuals that are outdoorsy that want to travel in a camper. And my advice is always to go pretty small there. You can get by if it's just you or maybe you and a dog, you can get by with a really small space like a truck bed camper. You really could get by in that a van, um, even a small uh, travel trailer. You could definitely get by with there's even the pop up campers um, that that a single individual would have plenty of space in. So. Uh, if it's just you, single individual, you really can get by with a lot less space than you think you need. Um, but yeah, if you have a family, then you probably want to err on the side of a bigger, bigger place. Yeah, because with travel therapy, you got to think you're going to be at work 40 plus hours a week. You know, maybe it's it's more like 45 or 50 after you account for drive time and going to the gym and this and that. And then on the weekends, you're going to be exploring. And if the weather's good, you can set up camp outside of your RV 
have a nice outdoor area that you can enjoy as a part of an extension of your living space. I know our friends that do van life definitely use that outdoor area a lot as an extension of their living space. So you can live with a lot less than what you think you need. Yeah, and Whitney's right there. That's something we didn't really think a whole lot about is you're working 40 hours a week. You're probably commuting 20 minutes each way, going to the gym after work, going to the grocery store, going on weekend trips. We spent way less time actually inside the camper not sleeping than I thought we would. I mean, it's usually like two hours a day that you're cooking dinner, maybe watching TV, going to bed. Um, so you don't need as much space as you, you think you do in a lot of cases, but um, if you're someone that you know values having more space or you have like crafts or uh, hobbies that you like to do that take up space, then, then you might need a bigger camper. Yeah, um, so when it comes to the floor plans and whether you need extra bedrooms, um, I will also say, for example, with our friend Kayla that wrote the article for us, she brought up some extra points that we didn't have to take into account because her husband Ryan does work from home. They had to have that extra bunk room for him work to from have camper. work from camper. Yeah, um, works remotely, so they preferred to have that extra room as a permanent office for him, so that he didn't have to set up and take down his office every day and like multi-use type of spaces. Because our other friends that live in the truck camper. They make it work, one of them works remotely, but he just sets up at the kitchen table every day. But if they wanna eat at the table, then they have to move his laptop and, and work stuff. So you're constantly having to move it back and forth. So it depends on you, it depends on what's important to you. But for some people, you may prefer to have that extra space if somebody's working from home. Um, you may prefer to have that extra space if there's kids, if there's pets. The other thing that Kayla mentioned that I didn't think about was they need to have a permanent place for, they have two cats for litter boxes, food, and water. So they had to have a little extra space to allow room for that. Luckily, Ryan is an engineer, so it sounds like they engineered some ways to maneuver around in their RV. Um, so many people we know modified their RVs after buying them to fit them, whether that was cosmetic, changing out the actual furniture, changing out the layout. We did zero things to ours ever. We just bought it and used it exactly as is. We didn't even do so much as like change the curtains. Um, we, were, <laughs> we were very lazy, very basic. We just wanted it to be there to sleep in and that was pretty much it. Yeah, so it depends on who you are. There's a lot of ways that you can modify things to suit you. And we were just talking about it. Um, we were in the car on the way home this evening, getting ready for this talk and discussing what we should say. And I looked back at it and I was like, you know, knowing what I know now, I would have paid more attention if we'd known to you know the bones of the rv like is it in good structural condition is you know is it safe blah 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 i was so hung up on the t at the time on the layout and the furniture and if it looked nice and that stuff is so cosmetic and yeah. so could have been changed and i wish that i hadn't been so hung up on that whitney was very hung up on the dining room area and how nice the couches were which at the time i was like this doesn't matter at all but she really wanted that so um we were more limited in what we could choose from because of the layout she wanted. And I think once we finally found one that had a great layout that we really liked and we really liked the furniture and it looked really nice and it looked clean and all that, we kind of got blindsided and, or I don't know, I guess tunnel vision and overlooked some other stuff that we should have noticed that was wrong with it in order to be like, oh yeah, this one fits all of our criteria. So learn from our mistakes. Um, the next part we're gonna talk about is, you know, when it comes to the inspection. Yeah. Um, but before we jump ahead to that, so we've already talked about deciding between motorhome, pull behind, um, the size, the tow vehicle, what type of vehicle you're going to need, and the tow rating. Um, so if you're not familiar with that, you would basically look at, uh, it's called like the gross weight of the travel trailer or the fifth wheel, if you decide to do a towable um, camper. And then you would have to look at what the truck or SUV is rated for. So it'll have a tow rating that you can look up to see if it can tow it or not. Yeah. And then you obviously have to overestimate because you have to add in stuff, belongings in there, right? Yeah. Um, and you really want to make sure that there's a margin of error there because for ours, we had like the, the tow rating of the truck was at least 1,500 to 2,000 pounds more than the camper was. But even then, pulling it up like hills, like if we were, or, or mountains, like if we're going, uh, we, we drove up to New England and I remember going through like Pennsylvania or something, some of the more hilly areas, it was having trouble pulling up um, hills. So if you're, if you're going to the West Coast and you're driving through Colorado, 
you know, you want to have extra tow capacity to be able to make it up mountains and things um, and not be going like 40 miles an hour on the interstate going up a mountain. Like that's a uh, very bad feeling. Yeah. So between talking to like, say, the dealership or Googling things online, you can figure out that margin of area error or like how much do you need to add for a typical amount of stuff? Um, I don't remember what that number is, but they'll be like, okay, this is the gross weight, but then you need to allow this many hundreds of pounds for your belongings and yourselves. Yeah. So take that in consideration. So then the other thing you want to take into consideration, obviously is budget. Um, you're going to have to decide, is this something I have enough cash to pay for up front? Is it something I'm going to be financing? Am I going to be financing both the tow vehicle and a trailer? or just the trailer or am I financing the whole motorhome? Um, so you have to know what your budget is, are you going to finance it, what can you get approved for? Yep. And this is another reason why we were very limited. We had, um, for whatever reason, I came up with a number in my mind that I did not want to go over. Uh, we saved up money on our first, I think it was first two travel contracts in order to pay cash for it. So we were limited on how much we could or what we could buy because we only had a certain amount we could spend. and. Uh, now, if we were going to do it over, we probably either would have saved longer to be able to spend more money, or we would have just thought about financing something and had a uh, better quality truck and camper that we wouldn't have had to worry about so much. Yeah, so we're going to get into talking about new versus used, um, inspection, dealership, all that kind of stuff. But um, before we go on, if you are watching live, we'd love if you just hit that thumbs up button, let us know that you're listening, let us know what your situation is, or even if you're watching later in the replay, just leave us a comment and let us know, hey, I'm thinking about traveling in an RV, or this is my situation, we'd love to hear from you. Um, we already know tons of people that have started traveling in RVs over the years. Um, back when we first started, we didn't know a single other person. We'd never heard of anyone else that was traveling in an RV. Yeah. Um, Instagram wasn't really as robust as, as it is now. People weren't talking about this kind of stuff. We knew zero other people that had an RV. Um, so, yeah, it's been, it was an interesting journey for us, but a lot more people have hopped on board in the last, however many years ago that was, seven years. Yeah. Um, so we know a lot of you guys are out there already traveling in RVs and campers and stuff. So let us know what your situation is. All right. So now the next kind of thing you're going to need to think about is, are you going to buy used or new? Um, so as Jared mentioned, we kind of said, um, you know, we set this sort of budget about, you know, how much we wanted to spend, how much we were going to allot for that. And we were like, we're going to go with used because we didn't want to lose a lot of money on the depreciation yeah. of the, both the, um, RV and also the truck. So we decided to go with a used one. Um, that was really just going to be it for us. Like there was no way we were going to buy new. Um, there's pros and cons there. Obviously some people prefer to buy new because they hope, okay, you're not going to have as many problems and hopefully you won't need as many repairs. That's, that can be the case, but it's not always the case because we've definitely heard of people driving it brand new off the lot and then still having manufacturer issues. Yep. No, James, this isn't pre-recorded. It's live. So if you have any questions, let us know. We can answer them now. Yep. Um, so yeah, so new versus used, definitely something to think about. Um, maybe you go new with one, used with the other. It'll just depend on what your situation is and what you're comfortable with as far as the financing. Um, so once you decide new versus used, well, now you need to also consider where are you going to search? Where are you going to look? Um, you can buy both new and used from dealerships. Sometimes dealerships have ones that are on consignment or that they're reselling um, that they've gotten from a buyback situation, um, or you can buy from, it, from an individual. Yeah. Um, so do you want to tell them a little bit more about what we ended up doing? Yeah, so we decided we want to buy used. We had a very limited budget. We saved up for it. Um, so... We didn't want to get a camper that was too old and we wanted to make sure things were in pretty good condition. We wanted to get a truck that had uh, good reviews and um, we were hoping we wouldn't have any issues with. And uh, But we were also a little bit on a time crunch because we were already working assignments then. We were very dead set on the beginning and our, beginning of our careers working back-to-back -back contracts and so not taking much time off. So we were only going to look at campers like on the weekends and we also had other things we wanted to do on the weekends. So it was... Uh, we really kind of limited ourselves. So we ended up going to see, uh, we went to a couple RV shows to look at campers. We kind of found like the general idea of what we wanted. Wanted a fifth wheel that was pretty big, that had slide outs, um, that was probably five or six years old. So we didn't want it to be too old, but not new because we knew uh, the new ones would be too expensive. And then we wanted to find a truck that was a little older, that was a diesel, 
that would be able to pull the, the fifth wheel. So um, those are basically our criteria. We searched around on Craigslist, Facebook Marketplace, uh, the RV shows. Um, RVTrader.com. R- yeah, RVTrader. We looked everywhere. And uh, eventually we found something, it was probably three or four hour drive that we went and looked at. Um, our issue was that we didn't really know what we were looking for. Like Whitney said, we, we knew what we wanted in terms of like what it should look like and what layout we wanted and stuff like that. But we did not know like what we needed to inspect. Like, um, how do you know if there's water damage? How do you know if everything's working properly? We just kind of took the dealer's word for for that, and uh, that was a mistake. Yeah. So we kind of thought going through a dealer was going to make the process easier, and it did in some ways. And they do an inspection um, to ensure that everything's working with before you take it off the lot. Um, they usually do a walkthrough and say like, oh, all these lights work, the appliance work, you know, all that stuff. But they can definitely overlook stuff and you know obviously they're definitely biased too because they're trying to get it off their lot Um, ideally you would have a third party inspect it and i wish we had known someone who could have helped us with that ideally if you know anyone in your family or have a friend who has had some experience with rvs it's just it's better to bring someone with you that can help you with that Um, obviously you could probably also go on craigslist or any number of i'm sure there's all kinds of different sites now where there are experts out there that could help you with that um you can maybe even find like i know on like angie's list and things like that you can find like an rv repair person i bet if you were to contact someone of that nature they may be willing to help you for a fee come and take a look at one with you and tell you kind of like an unbiased opinion of what to look for i wish that we had taken a little bit of extra time to do something like that because we ended up buying a camper that had some water damage that had some stuff wrong with it that we just didn't notice. And it ended up being a lot of problems down the road and a lot of repairs. Yeah. Um, so those are some things to think about. But again, we've, we've talked to people before that bought a brand new RV, never been owned, right off the lot, um, and they've had issues with it. And now usually, if that is the case, usually hopefully if it's a brand new one, they'll have some kind of warranty, manufacturer's warranty. And usually the dealership will help you um, in those situations. So even if you still have to get repairs done, hopefully the dealership will have your back. Now, obviously, if you buy from an independent seller, there are no guarantees, no warranties, so you have to be a lot more cautious buying from an individual. Yeah, and if you're buying from an actual individual, then there's no warranty at all, and there's not even gonna be an inspection, and they're just trying to to get rid of it. So um, in that situation, if you don't know what you're doing, you don't know what to look for, you really should have someone come look at it for you or with you um, just to be sure because it's a major decision. I mean, that's a lot of money. Uh, at minimum, probably you're gonna be spending 15,000, but probably more than that on a camper. So you wanna make sure that it's uh, it's structurally sound and it's not water damage and there's not mold or something like that, that that you wouldn't know to look for. Yeah, so I'd say in a lot of cases, buying the RV itself from a dealership makes a lot of sense because hopefully it's more trustworthy, hopefully you have more protections, hopefully you can you know, get that walk through, get that inspection done. Um, also, if you need to finance, they may be able to assist you with the financing process, or you, you might decide to go through your bank or whoever to get your own private loan, um, but sometimes it's just easier to go through the dealership. Now, in terms of buying a tow vehicle, many of you may have already had experience in the past with buying used vehicles we had so we didn't feel too uncomfortable buying from an individual seller when it came to purchasing our truck although again we did actually run into some issues with that because jared had bought and sold dozens of cars in his day but he didn't and neither did i have any experience with a diesel truck yeah and so we kind of just looked at like we we test drove it it ran fine it looked fine we looked at the mileage we looked at the year and we thought, hmm, seems fine, but apparently with diesel trucks and, I don't know, models of trucks, there can be issues that are like known, um, like different model years will have different issues, and we didn't know that. Yeah, so yeah, if you find a, a truck and a camper that look good, definitely put in a little bit of time to make sure that there's not known issues with those, or at least if there are known issues that you know about them up front and know what to look for to see if that issue applies to that, that individual um, unit. Yeah, so overall I would say just try not to be in too big of a hurry. Give yourself time because it is a very, a very big decision. It's a very costly decision to go into buying a truck and a camper. Um, safety absolutely needs to be a priority. You don't want to be broken down in the middle of nowhere, moving across the country to a travel assignment yeah. on the side of the road. So safety, of course, and then just time, money, and headache. Um, you, you can hopefully avoid by doing your research in advance. So. 
Ideally, if you decide to go down this path and you're looking into this decision, it'd be great if you knew someone who could help you who's done it before. If not, you need to spend a lot of time on YouTube, Reddit, on different um, RV forums, just learning more before you get into it because we relied way too much on the dealer to just tell us things and it's not really in their best interest to tell you when things are wrong or not a great deal. They're just trying to sell it to you. Yep. So that's our advice. All right, couple of comments here. Hey Madison, Maddie says, uh, or Madison says, two PTs here, we're really excited to start traveling in the next year and we are in the market for an RV to live in, so thanks for all the information. You're welcome Madison, hopefully you guys have good luck with finding your RV. Um, tons of people are out there doing it and loving it and having a great time living the RV lifestyle um, and I think it can work really well as a couple. Yeah, there's more than ever now. I mean, like Whitney said, I feel like it was fairly rare to find um, especially therapists living in an RV back when we did it. But now I swear there's like probably a dozen that I know of just right off the top of my head. So there's a lot of people doing it now. Yeah. At least they weren't talking about it on the internet. Maybe they were doing it, but they just, they weren't posting about it on Facebook and Instagram. So yeah. we didn't know anybody back then. And you know, that's why we thought it was pretty fun and pretty cool. That's why we named our whole blog after it because it was very unique back then. Yeah. Um, but it, might, it probably would have been better if we'd done a little more research and like gotten involved in some kind of RV community like some Facebook groups or something. There's so many resources out there um, that you can take advantage of to learn more and ask questions. And somebody's experienced it before, so they'll hopefully have an answer for you. Yep. And the, the real big thing that I think we should probably say is that um, I think RVing is more of a lifestyle versus um, traveling, short-term housing. That's just like finding a place to live. I think if you, if you don't have a major reason for choosing an RV, like either kids, pets, um, something like that, then you really should want to be involved in like the RV lifestyle community, whatever, um, if, if you choose that route, because probably it's going to be less hassle overall if you just do short-term housing. Um, and you're, you're not going to save a lot of money like a lot of people think, like we mentioned earlier. So if you don't have some major reason for doing it, I don't know, it, it might not be the best choice, especially if you're a single individual. Um, short-term housing, maybe renting a room and house, you can probably save money that way versus an RV. Um, but if you're a couple or you have a reason for doing it, then it, it can make a lot of sense. Yeah, I think you need to know what you're getting into because you might look at it and think, short-term housing, that seems like such a hassle. But when it comes down to it, yes, there are hassles with moving in and out of places and you never know what you're going to get. But at the end of the day, you're a renter and you can always fall back on the landlord if something goes wrong. Um, whereas if you invest in an RV, now you own something, now it's your home and you have to take care of it. And if you're somebody who's like, that's great. I'm excited to have my own place. I'm excited to take care of it. That's wonderful. I'm excited and to have weekend projects and like, <laughs> we literally know our friends, um, Irene and her husband that live in a truck camper. Like that's his hobby. He likes it. Like Hugh loves a project yeah. on the weekends. He's like loving, figuring out, tinkering with this and that. That was not us. Unfortunately, not us. we wanted to spend our weekends exploring the local area, um, working on other things and passions and traveling. And, and we did not want to spend our weekends doing maintenance and repairs on our RV and truck. Yep. And to us, that became such a hassle, but you may not be the same way. Maybe you're someone who enjoys projects and enjoys working on cars and vehicles and you may love it. Or maybe you do a lot better job of choosing a camper and truck than we did and you don't have any issues to worry about. And in that case, it would be, we'd have a much different experience. Yeah. But at the same time, even if there's not repairs, you still should be doing maintenance to take care of it. Just like you do maintenance to take care of your car. Yeah, You true. should be caulking the roof and you should be cleaning the tires and covering the tires and you know, weatherproofing your vehicle and all that kind of stuff and making sure that it stays good year after year so that it keeps its value so it doesn't break down and we just didn't love that part of it personally yeah. um so you know just a lot to think about so i just wouldn't go into it thinking like oh i'm only going to do this because it's going to be easier than short-term housing because it may or may not be yep yeah well hopefully that gives you guys some insights on choosing a different type of rv um check out kayla's article we just published it on our website at traveltherapymentor.com she talks about all the different types and some considerations that go into it. We also have some articles linked on there just about the pros and the cons and some things to consider um, as far as like finding RV parks, all those types of things. We could go on and on about the different things that go into RVing. But as we always say when we talk about this stuff, I think like 
we can be quite negative about it, but we enjoyed the journey. It was yeah. a really cool experience. And it's funny too, because we talked about how great it was all the time back then. And it's just now that we can be more objective and we've, we've done short-term housing, we've done the RV. They both have pros and cons. It's not one that's way better than the other. Um, it's just that, you know, it's hard to be objective when you're in the middle of it. Um, but we did enjoy the journey and it was, uh, it was fun and we learned a lot. And uh, I think we would handle a lot better now than we did back then. Um, we're older, we know more, but um, yeah, it's just something that you have to, you have to be ready for. Madison asks, what was your experience finding a campground to accommodate the camper that was close enough to your travel assignments while keeping the weather in mind? Yeah, yeah. this is a good point. So we always... Um, she also said as a travel couple. As and a travel couple. I will say, first of all, it's way easier now than when we were doing it because there's way more jobs than there were back then. We were much more limited. You guys now that are traveling as couples are in a lot easier position finding jobs than we were. So... Um, our experience, we had we had to be much more picky, or much more less much less picky. Uh, now you can you can find jobs pretty much wherever you want to go. Um, but yes, you probably want to avoid like extreme temperatures. You probably want to avoid uh, the north in the winter and the south in the summer. Even the best campers, four season campers, don't do really great with those temperatures. So when we started, we were just like, okay, we're never really going to be north of Virginia in the winter, and we're never really going to be. Um, what, what, uh, south of like North Carolina, I guess, in the summer. Like we, we kind of wanted to be um, in the more moderate areas and I would definitely recommend doing the same because not only is your camper having, probably gonna have trouble like heating or cooling and extreme temperatures, but also you wanna have more outside space that you can utilize. And if, if you're in New York in the winter or if you're in Florida in the summer, then you're not gonna wanna spend a lot of time outside. So that makes the camper seem smaller than it would be if you had some outdoor space to utilize. Yeah, so the other thing is um, a lot of times near bigger cities, it's going to be harder to find RV parks. So make sure when you're doing your searches that you search RV parks with long-term stays because if you just type campground, sometimes you're going to get day use or weekend use campgrounds that don't have any facilities. You need to specifically search for RV parks that have full hookups and allow 30-plus day stays or long-term stays. So. The, the good news is it is kind of easy when you're pitched certain jobs from your recruiters to just go ahead and run a search. Like if they pitch you a job in Chicago, you can just, even before saying, yes, I'll take the interview, you can just search around Chicago and, and quickly find out there aren't any RV parks really that do long-term stays within an hour of Chicago. So you're kind of going to be like, well, I guess we can't go to Chicago. Yeah. We could go maybe an hour outside of Chicago and maybe there's an RV park there, but like similarly, you're not going to want to be in New York City, like right in the city, right? Yeah. So you're going to probably not going to be in the major cities. Now there are some cities, like obviously Phoenix, Arizona is going to have a lot of RV parks because a lot of snowbirds go there. Um, so luckily you can run a search fairly quickly to know if there's going to be long-term stay RV parks in the area. But for the most part, we, we felt it was like fairly easy to find two jobs yep. together. We didn't have trouble, but also kind of the things we're talking about, we kept that in mind. So we avoided the extreme temperatures, we avoided cities. And with that in mind, we really, if there was two jobs that we were interested in, usually we could find an RV park within at maximum. I think one of us had to drive like 30 minutes, but usually we were within probably 15 minutes each way. So yeah not too difficult i think only one assignment ever and that was because one of us got canceled and we had to search out something um did we drive more than 30 minutes so one of our assignments i got canceled but jared didn't and so in order to find something else in the area i ended up driving about an hour um, but every other time we were always 30 minutes or less we never drove far yep all right. Well, if there are any other questions, feel free to leave them in the comments or send us a message. We'd be happy to help. Um, but again, check out our other resources about RVs. If you scroll back through our podcasts or our videos, you'll see some old ones about RVs as well as on our website. If you just search about RVs, we have some, some posts on there as well. Yep. All right. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll talk to you in a couple weeks. All right. Bye. Take care.